Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! What's up everybody? Where are you right now? Are you in are you in your car? What are you doing? Are you running? Am I in your earbuds? Am I in your Apple AirPods? Double tap on the left one for Siri? You can set that up and customize that yourself. Do you know that? What do we got? Some Bluetooth headphones going on? What are you listening to right now? Where are you? How's it going? Are you on your way to work? Are you on your way home from work? Are you on your way to the cafe to sneak in some time to work on your business away from your day job during your lunch break or something? Like, where are you? What are you doing? I don't know. I'm just glad you're here. Not only because I'm a, I'm a commensurate attention whore, but also because you are trying to do something that matters. <laughs> it is, it is, it, it better, it better matter for you. You are likely trying to build something that you can believe in, that you can count on to sustainably keep your head above water. You know, you can't, you can't like, I was just talking with a friend earlier today and he was like, you know what, you can't decide if you're going to be rich or poor. You can't just like make that decision and just make it happen necessarily. But you can decide how present you are in any given situation. That was what he was talking about there. But what I'm talking about here is you can decide... You can decide if you're building towards something. You can decide if you're actually going trying for something. You can decide if you if you're if it's going well or not. Like you can look at the results and go like, "Oh, it's not going very well." And no bad, we just need to wait what what should we fix here? Or, hey, look at the results and go, "You know what? I'm down on myself cuz I every day I feel like I don't get enough work done." I spent about 10 years of my life feeling that every single day. I could have done more, could have done more, could have done more. But what I really needed to do, what I eventually learned how to do is like, hey, you know what? We did pretty, we did okay. Maybe you need to look at the results and say, hey, we're doing okay. Because that's going to make you feel, get a little more juice for the motivation, whatever, the, the, the thing you need to put gas in the tank so that you can get up tomorrow and you can move it one, one more step forward. Your business idea, your thing. Okay, and now there's a lot of different ways that you can build your thing. You can build your thing with a partner. You can build your thing just solo, completely. You can build your thing completely in your notebook, in your journals, and never launch it. That's how a lot of my projects went. (laughs) You can just, you can build it a lot of different ways. And then there's this thing that happens when you like, um, we, I've seen this recently in, in a handful of my own friends over the last five years. They're building something. It gets kind of successful. Now there's this pressure to build a company, pressure to build a team, pressure to get more employees, get more people involved. Like, it, like uh, there was like a trend there for a little while where it was like, I was jealous of everybody who could say, <laughs> say like, yeah, I'll get my team on that. And I'm like, what? You have, you have a team? Like, what does that mean? Do you like send text message and someone just does what you ask them to do? There was this, there's this like, there's sometimes this feeling like you're not a real business if you don't have team members, if you don't have employees, if you don't have staff. Well, today we're talking with someone who is just really, really experienced in that question and has decided to go the opposite way and has recently written a book about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you, Paul Jarvis. Paul, say what's up to the people. Hello, people. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) that was great. And we also have Aiden Fishbein on the call. Aiden, say what's up. Oh, hey, guys. Oh, hey. Hey, girl. Hey. Mm. Okay, so I'm excited about this 
I'm excited because Paul and I haven't talked in a long time. And Paul, you've been, I mean, when we, when I met you originally, you were a designer who was like a few years before me, you were designing websites and I was looking at everything, all the stuff that you were building. And I was kind of like, Oh, look at this guy. He's got some skills. And not, not only that early on, I was also like realizing the people you were working with. And, and, and at the time I had my own sort of, I was an independent designer I knew what it was like to go drum up business and to, to like, if you get a client, then you, you actually have to do the work that that client like hired you to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you gotta like manage all that stuff. Uh, and I remember back in the day thinking about you even then, like, oh, this guy's like hustling. He's out there working. Do you remember those days? I totally do. That was, that was my life for like 15 years. And I'm also so glad that you were thinking of me. Oh, I was thinking of you. Oh. Bro. I was like, I was like, do I got to take this guy out? Cause I was, I was insecure. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was like, I'm a designer and I can convince people that I design, but, uh, I don't, I, I know I'm making it up as I go. <laughs> I know the next, <laughs> the next client is going to be the one who realizes, Oh my God, you have no idea what you're doing. And, uh, I can't pay you the rest of the money because you're a child and yeah. And they never did. They never did that. That's about yeah. me. That's not about you. <laughs> I was just, I was just having a moment there realizing like, maybe sometimes when you don't think you know what you're doing, you you're like, that's part of the game is like, yeah, nobody really knows what they're doing and you just have to dive in. Do you, does, has that been a part of your story, Paul? Does it end? Does, does feeling like you're not, <laughs> no. you're not knowing, okay, cause good. I can attest no. <laughs> cause now you've written a book, right? And you actually have written a few books. What, what's the first book that you wrote? Uh, be awesome or no, it was eat awesome as a vegan cookbook, which is, <laughs> which is so useful to today's conversation in every way. When did you do that? Oh, geez. Um, maybe like 2012, 2013, something okay. like that. Okay. Got it. And, and like, that was like a little thing Were you offering it like, uh, like for five bucks somewhere, like as an ebook or did you actually publish it? Yeah, no, I offered it as an ebook and then Amazon came out with like KDP and um what's the their print on demand thing. So it Got it was it. self-published, but it was it was definitely like just me and and the people that I brought on to help with it. Cuz I don't have, I don't have fancy plates, so I had to borrow them from a friend <laughs> <laughs> because it's all food photos and I don't I don't know how to make things look pretty, but luckily a friend works at a five-star restaurant and I was oh, like, "Hey works. buddy, can I borrow everything in your kitchen? And he's like, sure. <laughs> My wife is doing kind of a food blog for, for a diet that she's on. And we're same, same situation. We just moved all our stuffs and trucks. So she's going one off at target, buying a plate, returning a plate, buying another plate, returning a plate. <laughs> Whoa. Crazy. I like that. That's like a good done. strategy. It's like what, how, how women can sometimes do dresses. Like they'll leave the tag on and they'll go like, oh, I didn't really like it. Take it back the next day. It's smart. Yeah. I'm just the sharing calling. economy is real. <laughs> so the first book was was, was just like you like kind of like just put together a book. You're like doing it on it was on a topic that's completely different than what you're writing about nowadays. But you got you know you 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 cut your teeth on it. You do the thing. Then you wrote another book, which was the awesome one, right? How to be awesome. Uh, be awesome in online business, which was that's definitely it. more on brand. Because at the time I was doing web design, so I was like, "Why do web designers keep writing stuff for other web designers? Like, web yeah. designers don't pay me; <laughs> clients pay me. So why not write a book for people who pay me? Okay, so I like getting it. paid. Yeah. And 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 then this one. What? Tell us now. This is the most recent one that's just come out. It, tell us the title and the subtitle because I think it's just it's really it's put together well. Yeah, this one is called Company of One, Why Staying Small is the Next Big Thing for Business. Okay, Why Staying Small 
is the next big thing for business. And I'm looking at like the blurbs on your website and I'm like, wow, David Hanemeyer Hansen wrote a blurb for this. This is amazing. Like, does that just like warm the cockles of your like internet fanboy heart? A hundred percent. Cal Newport blurbed it, which is funny because I've never spoken to him and he's never returned an email that I've sent him, <laughs> but we share the same editor. So my editor passed it over to Cal to read and Cal liked it and then sent my editor the blurb. So I don't actually know Cal Newport, but wow. <laughs> yes. I'm a huge fan of Cal Newport, but yeah, he, he blurbed the book. So, and people seem to be talking about this book because it is, it's a, um, It'll help. It, it sounds like it's going to help people figure out like sort of their own way of finding the company that they want to build. Like, for instance, the Ben Chestnut blurb from he's the CEO who started MailChimp and still runs MailChimp. And like MailChimp's like thousands of employees and like been around for forever. And it's like not profoundly not a company of one. But one of the things he writes in, in about your book is is that uh, this book's going to help you find like it's there's not one right way. There's mm-hmm. not one right way to do a business. This book will help you find your way of doing a business. Do you agree with him on that? A hundred percent. And I also think it's cool that like somebody that runs a half a billion dollar business <laughs> blurbed my book, but yeah, basically, <laughs> which it just blows my mind to, still. But I, I think that's the point. Like the, the point of the book isn't that there's a right way. I think a lot of business books are written in that way. Like here's a blueprint, here's a formula. Whereas right. my book is like, I don't know what your blueprint is. Here are a bunch of questions that you can ask yourself to, because I don't know what success means to you. Like my version of success is different than a listener, different than, than each of yours. And I, I don't want to be presumptuous in saying like, this is how you achieve your success. Cause I don't know what it is, but I want people to be able to figure out like, okay, if this is what I want, if this is my purpose, if this is what I want to move towards, how can I best do that? And it's not always growing a, a massive business. It, it's like for myself and for a lot of other people, sometimes it's just growing a business that grows to enough and is, and is good at that point and can be optimized for that point instead of just working towards more and more and more and, and feeding the beast. Yeah. You know, this, this we got into on our last podcast episode with Tom Ross. We, we did a sort of, de- Tom had, had basically worked himself into a, a sickness he literally needed surgery from. He was, and, and then, then recovery from that was like intense. He was overworking to such a degree that, um, that, that I don't know, his body couldn't sustain it. Like his body, because he was having all the success and, and basically for him, he felt like the more I work, the more success is happening. So it's like a one to one correlation. Like if I'm working, there's more success going. Let's see how far this thing goes. And that kind of like never enoughness built up into like literally a disease in his body and literally like something he had to go like like body's all shut it down <laughs> shut yeah, it down I'll, I'll stop for you yeah yeah no and it's yeah. funny man i i didn't i dug into your book a little bit and i i loved it. i think this this whole thing is all about like awareness of what is enough for you mm-hmm. and just the, the one of the most powerful things that i was able to glean just just off a quick dive was this you cited a study where most people are more willing to kind of suffer electroshock than like be alone <laughs> with their own thoughts. You know, I think that totally ties in, you know, that's like yeah. the cornerstone for me. That's one of my favorite studies. And interesting too, is that more men would willingly shock themselves, shock themselves that when they didn't have to than women. So I think it <laughs> which makes, makes sense. To Wait, me. hold on. Tell, okay. Can you set up the study a little bit, Paul? 
Yeah. So there was, and I can't remember the, I can't remember which school it was somewhere in the States, but Mm -hmm. basically researchers put people in a room and said, and they hooked them up to electrodes and they said, Hey, you can sit here, just be alone with your thoughts, do whatever you want, but no stimulus, no phones or anything like that. But there's also a button here. If you press the button, you're going to get a shock. It's not going to kill you, but it's going to hurt. And then they left the room. And they're like, what are people going to do? And people were more likely to shock, to willingly just sit there and shock themselves than to sit alone with their thoughts and have a little bit of introspection, which is like, it boggles my mind, but it also doesn't boggle my mind as holy and completely understandable <laughs> that that happened yeah. as well, because that's not our lives anymore. Like our lives are just constant stimulus. Like we wait in line anywhere and every single person in line's on the phone. If we're on public transit, same thing. And it's just like, we always just crave more and more is like a line on the horizon that you can keep like running full bore towards and you're not going to hit it. Mm. Yeah. This is interesting. So it sounds like what you're saying is we have a kind of programming like like just sort of a, a latent bias that's built into us from our i don't know i get, I get like you the anybody who's been on public transport anytime recently has seen this where <laughs> literally every person is buried into their phone it's amazing i don't ride public transport very very often at all when i was in new york recently we did a little bit and it was just always crazy to go like, oh, my God, there's so many people here and nobody's t- nobody's like interacting with each other. No it eye contact. There's no, it's like everything's about like, like, please <clears throat> just repping that vibe. It's like, please just don't get involved with me. Please don't like interact. <laughs> and I, I do the same thing, like on the airplane, you know, I like to like kind of make it look like a, Hey, just so you know, daddy's going to have his Bluetooth headphones on watching Netflix the whole time. So <laughs> I'm not going to be a very fruitful conversation partner when you sit down, Gladys <laughs> next to me. <laughs> I always surrender and Gladys and I get into it and it's, a, I'm gl- like the flight goes by so fast, you know, yeah. and I didn't get I was to doing watch an interview. A- Go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, I was doing an interview today and somebody was like, because I live in the woods on an island and, and the, the interviewer was like, isn't that lonely? And I'm like, no, dude, like living in a city was way lonelier. Like yeah. the joke in the <clears throat> in the town that I used to live in that sets the prologue of the book up was that if somebody doesn't say hi and talk to you for 20 minutes, they're a tourist. Because <laughs> like everybody in a small town, like people know each other. People, like I would go out to get like a carton of soy milk. I come back three hours later because I ran into two people. Yeah, <laughs> like on right. the street yeah. and in yeah. cities, it's like avert your eyes, look down, headphones on, noise cancellation on. Yeah, and it's just like it. It's lonelier in the yeah. city sometimes. So it seems like this this concept of of when is it enough? That's what we got into with Tom Ross is related to this book as well, and to to this idea of like you don't have to build a company that's big. You can. It seems like what your book is saying is you can build a company the way you want to. And that begs the question, how do you want to build your company? Is that correct? Yeah, because I think a lot of us get into working for ourselves because we want more freedom. Like we want, we want to be kind of in control of our own path or destiny or whatever we want to call it. But then when we start doing it, we forget that and we get sucked into the machine that we left of like the corporate world of like more and more and more like revenue increases quarter over quarter and it's like if we if we remember back to when we started like maybe it is that we want more freedom and maybe it's easier to achieve that freedom if we keep things as lean as possible like for me like i want as little responsibility as possible while being profitable 
Like mm-hmm. really, yeah. that's my MO for business, which is why I don't want to hire people personally, because one, I suck at managing other people. Like I'm awful at it. I'm the worst delegator ever. Plus, yeah. I really like doing the work. I don't want to promote myself out of a job I like doing. Like totally. I like writing. I like designing. Yeah. I don't want to be the boss of designers and writers. I'd be jealous. All day. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, it's so timely, this topic. I, I recently published a blog on my agency site um, that's called like, Not All Designers Are Meant to Lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it starts out with this little anecdote of, of a baker. Or, or let's do this. a hobbyist uh, pie maker, right? And he's, his friends and family are super stoked on his pies. And they're like, dude, you need to start, you start a bakery, sell your pies. And uh, eventually he kind of does it. And then he's like, well, wait a minute. I don't like, I don't like managing inventory and bakers and running a business. Yeah. I haven't made a pie in like, years you know so yeah what there was no intention in that and um i mean that's kind of like that big thing that i've gotten so far is your this book is not really to me at least arguing against growth it's just arguing against the blind growth stuff right exactly like every business needs to adopt a growth mentality from the onset we all need to go from zero to something yeah so it all growth always serves us in the beginning so we all get that in our heads like I got to grow like because we have to. But then if we don't question, if we don't stop pressing that buzzer on the desk to shock ourselves, like if we don't stop to question it at some point that, hey, maybe I have reached enough. Like maybe my business is profitable enough. Maybe the size of the business is enough. Maybe the number of customers I reach is enough. Then we just keep going. Yeah. Like even for me, like I, when somebody buys a product from me, chances are I recognize their name because I've talked to them on Twitter or on email or they've been on my mailing list for a while, or they bought another product. And I like, like, I actually really, really enjoy that. And I can get to know my customers and my audience. And I can make things that are better for them. Whereas if my business, if my, if I reached 10 times, like 10 X my audience or a hundred X my audience, I wouldn't have that connection. I wouldn't have that conversation. I wouldn't have that direct line with them. And I don't think my business would do as well because I wouldn't know them as well. Mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me more about this idea of, cause I think you're bang on this gr- growth thing in the beginning. It's like, it's so essential to have a just hardcore strategic way of looking at traction. Which is, are mm-hmm. we getting traction? Are we seeing progress? Are there results? Are they meaningful? Are they in the right direction? Are they the direction that we want? Is, is, this call, is this action that we're taking right now, should we keep doing it? This blogging thing, is it working? Should we switch over to a podcast? Should we, what do we do to grow this? Like, it's like just all this traction stuff early on, so essential. And never in there is it built in this idea of like, once I get, you know, 1,500 people listening to my podcast, then it'll be enough. Right? It's like, it's, it's almost like, like I've never thought that. And now at the Fizzle Show, we have like maybe fifteen thousand people who listen to this show. <clears throat> it's not like like I just decided like that's going to be enough. What I did is is I just was like, well, we're going to commit to doing this because because some people are tuning in. <laughs> and then and then to me, the whole game was about how do we make it fun? Because we want to do it every week. We want to have a publishing calendar. And then I want it to be a certain kind of feeling to do this work. I don't want it to feel uh, heavy or laborious or like it should be fun. And I think people would tune into to hearing fun stuff. And in, so in this podcast in spe- specifically, there is this kind of uh, it kind of floats. It kind of floats along the top of the surface and it's always there and it kind of has fun. But in other things, there was just like always all, all this this incessant feeling like, it wasn't currently enough and it's like my fault that we're not there and I've got to get on it to like to make things better, to make it right. And it, when you were talking before, Paul, about like 
you know, we start out, we want like freedom and stuff like that. And then we get kind of caught up into whatever jobs we get, the security. And now it's all about like, you know, we need to, Hey guys, this quarter, we're going to go for more. Make sure you hit your, make sure you hit your targets or that. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of get involved in the game and, and you have to take this huge, like pull the ripcord thing to pull out of it to go like, and sometimes like a lot of people, like I'm thinking of most of the people that get up on stage at like a world domination summit or something like that, which is an event that's all about human freedom. Right. And all about embodying kind of freedom in our lifestyles. Uh, sometimes you have to like pull the rip card, completely leave everything and like go to Bali for like three weeks just to figure <laughs> out who you are. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, I don't know. To say, say something more, Paul. I like when you talk. <laughs> I, li- I like when you listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think there's, I, I think what we're touching on here is there's kind of, there, there's a few phases of this. There's like pre enough which is mm. building. Like we need to make something that reaches enough people. But then there's that point which requires introspection, which we already covered is hard and there's buzzers that shock us. I think there's a, there's another stage that not enough people kind of focus on is kind of what the whole book is about. And that's the post enough. That's the when you realize like, hey, I'm I'm good with where I'm at or I'm good with the revenue I have or I'm good with the customers I have. And it's funny, like the, the whole, the, the book kind of came out of the way that I've done business for 20 years, but I didn't start to think about it. I, like the, the book as a book kind of started uh, from a surf session, which is I think how every single business book starts. <laughs> <laughs> so I was surfing with my buddy and he's this like South African freelance accountant. And we're sitting out in the lineup. It's like, I don't know, September or October. And he's like, and we're waiting to catch waves. And he's like, Hey buddy, I've, I've made about enough for the year. I'm, I'm going to go rock climb for the rest of the year. He takes off on a wave and I'm just sitting there like bobbing up and down in the lineup. And I'm like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> totally. <laughs> what, what is even happening? Where am I? And then he paddled back around. And we started talking about it. He's like, I, like I, I've made enough money at this point to like cover all of my, to, to cut, to like pay for my mortgage, pay for my car, pay for my food, put money away into savings. He's like, if I work more, I, my life wouldn't change for the better in any way whatsoever. So why bother? And I'm mm. like, this is, this is right. I would like to subscribe to your newsletter, South yeah. African surfer guy that I'm <laughs> right. battling with. And I mean, like once I started, like I'd been unconsciously working in this way for so long. And then when he said it so articulately, I was like, this, this, like, this is the, this is the thing. And then I, as I started to pay attention to it, I was like, like, I think this is what people are missing. And I think mm. that, I think there's also a detriment. Like I feel like some people are put off of entrepreneurialism or side hustling or whatever, because they're like, well, I don't want to be like Elon Musk or Oprah. Like, I don't want to have this like massive empire and work all the time. Like, I just want to, like, I just want to do the thing that I want to do and like make good money and like take time off, travel, do whatever, spend time with my family. And it would suck if people are put off of, working for themselves because they don't want to build an empire. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I just feel like there's so many different ways to do and to run a business. 
that and only one way is kind of being talked about like in the media i was at the dentist yeah. the other day and i know you guys are excited to hear a dentist story <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm in i like I'm it sit, i'm sitting in the waiting room and there's like a business ma- i don't know what dentist has business magazines apparently my dentist does and there's like a bc bit i live in british columbia bc and there's a bc business magazine and i counted the word grow slash growth on the cover like three or four times <laughs> and like that's it like that's all that's being talked about like you're not successful if you're not growing and i think that i kind of think it comes down to ego to be honest Mm. like i think Mm. we need ego to start we need ego to make something we need ego because we think we can do better than what exists in the market currently which i think is great i think we all need that and we all sometimes need that that kick in the bum with a bit of ego to, to start our thing yeah. But then where I think ego kind of fails us is that we start to think like, oh, our business, my business will be more legit if I hire people or if my business will be more legit if I say, oh, my team will get right on that. Or like my people will call your people. We'll do lunch like right. Or like, oh, I have a thousand employees in 18 offices across seven countries like that. <laughs> Just sounds better. I mean, not even if you do that stupid voice I just did. Right. Yeah. But like, others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, are you running your business for yourself or are you running your business to look good for other people? For me, it's always the former. Like I, I work for myself because I want to run. I like, I want that freedom we talked yeah. about. I want, I want to dominate my own life or just live it or whatever. What? Yeah. You, you have this. In. I just, you, you made me think I, it's funny, man. I, I, uh, I skimmed so hard this book, but it everything that I was like super impactful, you're just touching on and hammering home. But this ego thing I think is really, really, really powerful about, you know, how much of this am I doing for me and how much am I doing for others? And obviously, you know, there's really going to be a difficult time unless you're profoundly self-aware to separate the two at all times and really only focus on you. And then also, is that the best thing to do? Um, to only focus on you. Should you be thinking about the value that you're you're benefiting towards other people? And the way you say this, there's a phrase that just cut through me, which was working for yourself requires ego and purpose in equal measure. Um, and so is is what you're saying is that purpose component? Is that what kind of ties into the awareness, ties into the, the identifying the enoughness and also probably uh, the, the true goal and the, and the true desire of what you're hoping to achieve? Is that where that purpose is? For sure. And I think that the purpose is in in equal measures for ourselves and for others. Mm. It's just like when somebody says, like, I want to make an impact. What if you impact a person? Like, isn't that enough? Like when I, when I used to play music, I used to sometimes like I was in a a touring band for a long time. And sometimes we'd have shows where there was like 10 people and like four of them were just the drunks that were at the bar every night, regardless of who was playing. And sometimes like it can get, it can get lonely. Right. But then like a few times people would come up to us and be like that, like I have your album and like that song made a difference. Or like one time somebody came up to us after a show and was like, I was thinking about killing myself and like a lot of the music that we wrote was really, really dark. And they're like, that kind of helped me through. Like it didn't stop me, but like it helped. Well, it did, but not just that song, <laughs> I, yeah. mm-hmm. but like it, it made an impact. And I think a lot of times we just, we want to scale our impact or we want to scale our reach when we don't really need, like, just like, I still remember that story was probably from like 10 years ago, but I still remember like the venue that we played at and the person that said that to us because like, 
it was such a, like it had such a profound impact on, on us, not even just that other person. And I think that when we think about like serving others or serving, even serving our existing customers or even focusing on like retention over acquisition, it's like growth doesn't always serve retaining customers or helping customer helping our existing customers. Like there's always, it's hard to focus on, um, retention if all if we're really really like growth focused and 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 acquisition focused because then it's hard to pay attention to the people who are already there it's hard to pay attention to the people who are already paying attention right like those are the most important people to me like those are the most important people to my business to that should be to most other people's business they're the ones who are already like yeah i trust this person i can give them some money or i trust this person i can sign up for the mail- their mailing list it's like these are the people that make so much like they matter so much that a lot of times we just kind of put them aside and think, well, if there, if there's more people, that'd be better. Mm. I say, like, well, what about all those other people? They're already paying attention. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's the purpose. Okay. There this is go. a big, this is a really big, this is a really big point. I'm hearing you say two things, Paul. One of them is first of all, this sort of, uh, and I really resonate with this. There is the difference between you have the conversation with the someone who listened to your music and and it was impactful for them in some way, right? This is the one-on-one. Like you, you made an impact in the one. You see the one, the impact of the result that you have in the one person. And then the distinction between that and what often happens when we're doing our digital sort of based entrepreneurship thing where we're just kind of like we're sort of consumed by scale. We sort of like can't picture the import or the value for the one because it's about how many of those ones we're actually impacting. Am I hearing you right on that? Yeah. And I think there's a balance there. It's just like I, my mailing list, it takes me just as long to write an email to one person as it does to like 30,000 people. Yeah. But on the flip end, I, I rely a whole lot on like email funnels and segmentation and automation and all of that. But attached to that is still a person. Like it's still my email address. It's not no reply at Paul Jarvis land. It <laughs> goes to like, it goes to my inbox and people, and, and I even noticed like for the longest time, I was like, why am I getting so many questions about my digital products in, in email automation sequences that I've answered? Like I've answered them on the side, I've answered them in email. And I'm like, why, why are these people asking questions? Like I didn't get it. And I started to think about it and I started to pay attention to the way that people were asking the questions. They just wanted to know that there was a human that gave a shit on the other. <laughs> like they just wanted to know that there was another person. Yeah. And all of those emails go to me. It doesn't matter if it goes to two people or a thousand people or 10,000 people. If they hit reply, it goes to a human. If they have any problems, any questions, any concerns, if they just want to talk to somebody, then they can reach me. So I'm still scaling. Like I'm still scaling that aspect of my business because it's helpful when I'm selling digital products, which I know a lot of listeners do as well. But like, I don't want to ever remove the human aspect of it. Like I, I always want me to be like a click away or a reply yeah. away where it just, it goes to me. And people are always like, I can't believe you replied. I'm like, you emailed me. <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you think, what would, you think would happen? Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't have an assistant or like a team of robots or or like monkeys at typewriters writing this. The, the well, you worst. do, but they do. They have other responsibilities. You know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <They're right. laughs> so we've got we've we've got this impact with the one person thing. Right. Which is which I find is really grounding. It's a really grounding thing to think about. To to go. I'm say you are composing an email to send to a bunch of people on your email list or something. For me, when it comes down to products and creating anything digitally, like we're in Fizzle, we've made just so many courses, and I've written uh, like a, 
a lot of those courses. Corbett and I have written a lot together and, and we've edited and workshopped those. And what we're doing when we're editing and workshopping those is we're thinking about the effect that it's going to have on any individual that watches it. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about the, uh, like, just how can we make this more likely to, to get, like, what's the message we're trying to get them to understand? Right. And then like, how do we remove any roadblocks from them understanding that? Like, how do we get them into understanding that in a way that 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 when they are writing their own email, they're more likely to think like according to column A instead of column B, like thinking more in terms of making the impact and that that for people listening it's a really big deal because as an entrepreneur, especially when you like, when you realize, when you're like, I am an entrepreneur, like there's this <laughs> big weird French word, entrepreneur. This is what I do. I do this thing. Right. And so now you can't fail because you're an entrepreneur because you think you are. And, uh, and so everything you have to, you do, you start, it's almost like a kind of protectioning, protecting myself. So I'm looking at metrics that protect me. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at metrics that show me I'm doing a good job. I'm biasing myself towards not failing, which is to say, I'm, I might not necessarily be looking accurately at what's really going on in the business. And for me, you know, I heard Tim Ferriss say this recently. He was one of those episodes where he's like, he like drunk dials people and like just talks to them about like, <laughs> yeah. ask them questions or something like that. Those are good ones. And one, those are pretty good. He, uh, he, one guy was asking him something about starting a business and and he kind of confessed to like here's what I do. What I do is I've done I've done little launches of things and the and basically the only piece of feedback that I pay attention to in that is the level uh, and quality of the responses I get in comments. Comments are basically like all he's paid attention to <laughs> when yeah. he's just testing an idea, right? To get a sense of what's the impact this is having on it. Does anybody feel moved to say something? And what are the what are they saying? Right? Because you're going to get a lot of like, you know, Th- that kind of stuff. And I realized that's, that's exactly what I've been doing myself most of the time as well. But it's not, ne- it's not necessarily the most sustainable thing because you can put something out there and you're kind of like, I don't know, are the comments good enough? Or did I get any comments? Right? Like, uh, what, where are we at on that? Right, right, um, right. But it is, it is now as a YouTuber, like, that's all, that's what I pay attention to. Like, that's how I can tell if I'm doing a good job or not. There's also like, you know, watch minutes and, and how much, you know, how much affiliate revenue we're pulling in and all the stuff that actually, <laughs> that actually feeds my family. But for me to feel like I'm on the right path, it's somehow it's related to, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm making too, maybe, like part of me wants to just simplify this down into like, what if we just, like, is this, is this like make ruleable? Can you just like make this a rule? That's just like pay attention to comments, pay attention to comments. <laughs> and you have to be a wizard of comments because it's not like you're not paying attention to every comment. You have to know exactly how to let comments just like slide right through your fingers. Like you don't even count them, but you, but you do, you do like the, the bits and pieces, like you can sense when there's a real soul on the other line going like this yeah. impacted me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just one one thing you made me think about, Chase, is I think I don't know. I feel I'm a pretty rational person, but I really do profoundly believe in the mystical juju of like the real connection. You know, you cannot somehow you just know whether or not this is not a responder or a person. Um, and, uh, you know, with big platforms like I'm sure you've got Paul and, and like Fizzle has, um, there is always kind of like a how 
how sustainable is it to get back to the roots of real close to one-on-one stuff, you know, because Mm -hmm. the idea is to, is to start, you know, even if you're a company of one, um, you found, uh, at least some threshold where you're still able to, to actually sustain the one-on-one stuff. And right now, um, unfortunately this episode is going to air about four days after the doors close on our 2019 ready, set, ship, fizzle uh, thing. It's kind of like a a start the year with a super group of of live coaching. Um, If you really want to put a comment in this episode, um, Chase, where's the, where's the link for this this episode going to be? Fizzleshow.co slash three zero three. Perfect. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if you're really, if you, if you, yeah, that's the rule, put a comment, we'll get you Mm -hmm. in. Um, But yeah, like where that threshold is, we want to get as close to that threshold of personal connection, but still scalable or still sustainable, not scalable, still mm. sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's not a stagnant place either. Like it's a constantly moving place. This like figuring out, like even with my, like for me, it's my newsletter and I'm uh, mostly just like you, I mostly pay attention to replies. Like I don't even log in and look at the opens and clicks. Yeah. Like I just don't care. <laughs> Do you really not? Like, so you, you, you just naturally, cause I find that with stuff like that, you're naturally getting a sense for how they in quotes are responding, mm-hmm. right? Like for me, yeah. I launch a video, I get a bunch of comments and I, and I just kind of been browsing through. I'm just going, what's the sentiment? <laughs> like where yeah. are things at? And there's surprises <laughs> in there. Right. Sometimes like I'll do like I just I put out a video recently. I was like it was out of focus. It was really it was shot a long time ago. It was kind of out of date and it was like dark. (laughs) You can't even see what I'm showing in the video. (laughs) It's just about all these pouches, like my favorite pouches. And man, people responding like crazy to that video. And it it just really surprised me. I was I was swear to God, I was this close to not publishing it at all. Right. Mm. That's what happened with the article that I wrote that spurred the book is for the longest time, I felt like I was the business weirdo who didn't care about growth. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to write an article about it. It's what I do. Write articles for I've written an article a week every Sunday for six years. And I was like, I'm just going to write about this, whatever. Let's see, see how it goes. This is just how I think about business growth. And I usually get, I don't know, 150, 250 replies to my Sunday dispatches. This one I got like 1,200, 1,300 wow. replies. And I was like, ooh. Ding, ding, ding. That's a sign. Yeah, I think there's something here. And then like that turned into me looking for an agent and then finding a publisher wow. and then like releasing a book. Like it, it was that. It was me looking at the replies. It was me, mm. it was, it was me paying attention to the comments. This is of funny. people being like, I'm not, I thought I was the only one. And I'm like, I thought I was the only one. And like, we run the works <laughs> each other like that, like in Willow. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember them. <laughs> ah, yes. Where they're, yeah, where they're running towards each other slowly. It was like that moment over and over again. Oh like, man, well, Mad Mortigan. I was Mad Mortigan for <laughs> Halloween one year, dude. Yes. <laughs> Val Kilmer in that is so good. He's like, Profound. Oh, he still one of my favorite characters, like in the cage, just like, hey, hey, can you, uh, can you help me get out of here? Like, hey, do you have some food? Is that some food? Do you have food? Oh my god. Dude, we gotta watch that movie. We gotta do a fizzle screening of <laughs> Willow. Willow. <laughs> Just, but this is interesting, though. I mean, like, we're in a very, a very specific vein right now. 
All three mm. of us. And by the way, listeners should know that you're talking about three guys, three white guys, three kind of creative, like like creative leaning white guys. Like we, if if there were three people, <laughs> like like we're missing soundly, like the Corbett or the the someone else who 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 is just like all like all strategy and all like results <laughs> and all like you know. And Corbett isn't just all results. But the the point is like we're all like of course we're talking about like. I just look at the comments <laughs> because that's where we get our feedback. Like that's where we get, it's like, hold on. Do they like me? Like, Oh God, I think they do. Right. That, that yeah. for me personally is, is one thing just to call out. And, and cause you might be, you might be different listener. You just might, but there is a very interesting correlation happening right now. Like, like we were hearing it from Tim Ferriss. You're hearing it from Paul Jarvis. You're hearing it from myself as well. And, and maybe this is something we can, cause the truth is, the very first blog post I ever wrote on the very first blog I ever had, right? I was already doing this, mm-hmm. looking yeah. at the comments, decide like it was affecting. It was like, I made this work and I, and then I'm, I'm watching the audience. This is my only way of watching the audience interact with my work, I guess, you know? And mm. then it was that interaction that like you said, Paul, it's like, it's not like from there it gets stagnant, stagnant. You, this is a really, this is your second point that you, so the first point is about like, the one-to-one and making the impact thing. There's a big story there. Like instead of just looking at, at just the, the numbers and the metrics where everybody's name gets whitewashed, everybody's, I don't know, specific impact gets whitewashed and it's about scale now instead like okay so maybe maybe we've made that a golden calf maybe we made that a bit of an idol right and we should reclaim some of our humanity and humanity happens in you know talks about the weather in small towns to bring it back to something we were talking about (laughs) earlier but this other point you made was and the point on that is just like humanity is about connection and you're going to find bits of connection with your audience places pay attention to where you have those bits of connection then the second thing is it's actually like somehow the way that that the tools are set up in online business, the way that Mailchimp's set up, the way that WordPress is set up, the way that a lot of this stuff is set up, but but also just because of the media that we ingest about being entrepreneurs, we are less likely to pay attention to the people who are already paying attention to us, and and everybody's focused on growth, on getting the new people, and I, I'm speaking specifically from my own story here that I have been so far up my own backside trying to get new people to pay attention to me that I've completely uh, lost touch with the riches I have in connection with people who are already interacting with my work, right? And this happened again and again at Fizzle. Anytime we did like a little campaign where I did this a few times throughout the years in Fizzle where like I would just start reaching out to people, having Fizzlers just, just say, here, pick a slot on my calendar. I just want to have like a, a 30 minute call with you. Right. And yeah. I just, every time I did that, I would be taking notes and I'd have this, I have this huge file of like notes from conversations with Fizzlers. And every time I'm like, Oh my God, you're amazing. <laughs> you're yeah. incredible like this is awesome this gives, dude i want to i want to write an article about this or a podcast episode about that would you be on the show about x y and z right and then it was like it was there was an, there was riches in the people who are already paying attention to me and what that did to me was so different i had immediately immediately i had ideas for content immediately i had ideas for new courses or things that we could create that would be viable business things for us right but yeah. it just came out of this real honest uh interaction with someone who's already paying attention to me i just totally. think that's a huge deal paul 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's harder to do sometimes because we think that, oh, well, like one person doesn't matter. But I keep seeing over and over again. Like, I would rather have a business where I have a smaller number of customers, but they continue to support my business because my business continues to support them. Yeah. Like all of the people that buy one thing, well, uh, more than half the people that buy one thing from me buy more than one thing from me because I'm hyper focused on like this group of people because like they're paying attention. They're, they're paying me for other stuff. It's like, what can I do to make them better? What can I do to make their businesses better? Like businesses serving others for money like this is pretty this is pretty much the definition of business yeah, is you serve others yeah. and they pay you so the more that you can figure out how to serve those people better the more that you can like do do good things and and make actual money <laughs> as well which is always really nice okay yeah. so so Ideal. pulling this back into to this idea of this company of one what, what I think of a company, when I think of starting my business or people out there starting businesses, I think of, okay, you got to have, you're going to have an idea of something that you're trying to do, some sort of goal, some sort of like, I'm, I'm building, I'm writing blog posts and I'm hoping that people will start paying attention to them or whatever, right? <laughs> or, and, and, and there's ways to structure that goal. Like what, one of the things we do and start a blog that matters is we guide you through like how many posts are you going to commit to writing or podcast episodes are you going to commit to? And what's your publishing schedule? Basically a mm-hmm. blog is a publishing schedule. Like what you said, you write articles every single week, Paul, right? Yep. I've never missed a Sunday in since, six years. Since six years. Right. Yeah. And it's almost like what if, if, Someone is someone out there. It's it's like a new idea that they could just commit to. Like for us, it was every Tuesday we published a blog post, and every Friday we published a podcast episode, and then eventually we combined those two. But but for someone out there who is like, what's your take? Why stick to a publishing schedule? Because consistency shows an audience that they matter. Mm-hmm. Like that's really all it is. Is is if I'm going to spend the time to write you something every single week. It's me showing you how much you matter as opposed to me trying to do all sorts of other things. It's like my news, like my newsletter is for people who are paying attention. Like it's for the people who are already there, who are already at the table, like dining on my delicious vegan meals or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So like that's, that's my commitment to them. Like that's showing them that they matter by not missing a Sunday. And that like that cadence that, that like consistency just builds like it builds a relationship. And I mean, it benefits me as well. Like when I have something, when I have a new product to release, I don't need to spend like weeks emailing my audience because I forgot to email them for 12 months. And like, hey, remember me? I have a mailing list. You signed up for it. You probably forgot and you've marked this as spam. But like by my thing, it's like all I have to do is mention the things that, that I've made because we've already, have a di- we've already established a dialogue. Like I, I've already been talking to you. You've already probably heard about people on my mailing list have heard about my book for three years now. Like it's <laughs> ridiculous, but I've kept them in the loop of like, what's going on? Like, Oh, I found an agent. Oh, I found a publisher. I found a, another publisher in a different part of the world. And like mm. the, I'm recording the audio. Like they know the story. They know the bad, like people love that. Austin Cleon wrote a whole book about that. I'll show your work. Like yeah. people love that. Like VH one behind the music type stuff. Yeah, and they yeah. feel they get invested like they so get invested like so many people today are so excited about the book and it's just like they're they're buying a thing that i wrote but they feel like they have they're invested in because they are mm-hmm. because they've been i've took them i've taken them with me on this journey yeah and it's just so important like i don't know how to sell any other way like you could drop me in a car dealership and be like hey paul sell to those that nice couple over there and it'd be like uh, car. And like, yeah. I, I'm like such a car guy. Like I know everything about cars, but like, I can't, like, I don't know how to sell that way. 
I know how to sell by just being open and sharing and being consistent Mm. with the work that I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This is like key. And and it's interesting. I, I have, I have full well plans to read the whole book, Paula, trust me, but, uh, the end there's this, uh, there's this chapter, um, it's kind of like your personal story and a section is, is the build. And it's kind of like this, you know, if you had to start, if I had to start my business over again right now, this is what I do. This is like a hit list of just rich tips. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of them rich tips. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you're just, you're talking about exactly what you just mentioned here, uh, which is like, you know, before I start selling anyone to anything, you'd be building these relationships um, and you'd be building relationships with people that you've already helped. And I love this idea of, and this is really, I think, instrumental and super helpful for our audience, which is that um, you do this fact finding mini consulting while you're working somewhere else. Right. Um, And that's a total, just like you mentioned, a, a respectful commitment to your audience to help them above all else. It's the same ideology behind your uh, regular and consistent publishing schedule. And then, yeah, you know, you when you sell anything to them, the reason they buy is without doubt because you've helped them, because you've already provided more value to them um, than they could possibly provide back in the form of whatever money you're charging for whatever thing you've developed. Um, and that's just, you know, that's the through line for Fizzle. Um, that's the through line for my own company. Uh, it sounds like it's obviously the through line there. And that's like mm-hmm. just such a foundational philosophy that I think can be applied anywhere. Yeah, it's funny. I asked my, I was probably two years ago now, I did a survey with my mailing list. And I was like, why do you buy from me? She's like the weirdest question, but it became like the most useful question I've ever asked my audience. And because I was like, Why? Like there's other business books, there's other courses on freelancing or MailChimp. Like the, there's other people, there's like a gazillion other th- examples of things that I sell that other people have made. So like, why are you buying from me? Because I think that's the most important thing to consider because none of us make something that is so unique that nobody else does it. If we think we do, we haven't done enough research or we haven't broadened our minds enough mm-hmm. to think about how, oh, well, this thing is blue and my thing's red. So they're totally different. It's like, no, nah, they're kind of the same. Yeah. And so in asking that question, like the, the resounding answer was because you made it. And yep. it was like, it, blew, it just like my mind is just like that gif, like, like mind blown <laughs> gif. Cause it's like, that's 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 what's important. Like that's why I send a newsletter every week. That's why I share my opinion. That's why I'm okay with just being my weird self to to everybody and just showing them who I am as like a human being. Because that like that's why that's why they're gonna buy from me and not somebody else because they get to know me and then they trust me. And then that trust is such an honor that I need to make things that, that are going to be useful and beneficial to them. And it's just like, it just keeps, yeah, it's just that whole chapter in the book that is funny. I didn't even want to write that chapter. My editor, <laughs> my editor was like, we need some like concrete, juicy stuff. Cause the book is really like a philosophy, a, a philosophy book with like a mm-hmm. business jacket on. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. And then the end was As just like, should be. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the end was just like, okay, you just need to get to the practical stuff, which I, I struggle with sometimes, but I know is, immensely useful so that's where that that chapter kind of came from it's like okay if this is if you if you bought into the philosophy and the mindset of company of one then here yeah. the th- like here are the things you do now mm. yeah sounds There's, like an arc to me yeah yeah have we have we done a good job of representing the company of one ideas here in this conversation so far i, I believe so 
Okay. I, yeah, I think so. And a company of one, just like Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, isn't meant to be like you work four hours and stop. It's like company of one isn't meant to be like you have a one person business and then stop growing. It's like you question growth and that's it. Maybe your company needs four people. Maybe it needs 400. I don't know. I'm not your company. Yeah. So it's just a, it's just a way to question growth. It's a, it's a mindset and a philosophy to, to consider growth and to consider how that impacts your freedom. Mm. Well, I love this. This conversation has been killer. Aiden, do you have any other closing questions here? No, I mean, I, I just, uh, I, I'm really stoked, Paul. I mean, I, I had only heard your name a couple times, but you know, you have definitely, uh, you have a customer for this book. Awesome. Right Thank here. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One uh, down. <laughs> One down. <laughs> Paul, for people who are out there and we've got a little time here, so take as long as you want, but, or, or we can just land the plane, but like, I don't know. I'm just thinking like you, we don't have access to you very often. You've just written this book, Company of One. You're talking about a lot of things we've covered in here so far. The idea of scale, the idea of making impact on the one person, the idea of where we look at to get feedback on how we're doing from our, our business, you know, hashtag check the comments, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, but, but, um, and not that these things are, are in the book, but they seem related to, to these ideas of when is it enough? When is it enough? And, and how much, and so it dovetails perfectly dovetails. Hey. Fishbein, so perfectly with the previous episode, if you guys haven't listened to 302 with Tom Ross, listen to that and just see how, how, how gracious he is with, with, uh, sharing his story. And then also like how much success he found. Like, and how, and what that success brought him and then how, like how much challenging, how much of a challenge it was to just balance that success with life and how he had never really learned how to do that before he had to learn how to do it completely. Right. Um, and it's this question around how much is enough. So many people are out there. In fact, some massive part of the market out there is, is out there just like taking in the hustle porn, you know, just cramming the Gary Vaynerchuk into their, into their ear holes and, and eye holes and just going like, all right, I got to keep it going. I got to keep it going. I got to keep it going. Um, trying to build that initial success. I see that as a mode that you're in when you're trying to build initial success. Right, you're trying to get something off the ground. This is like pre enough, as as Paul was talking about. And then there's this thing that happens when maybe you maybe you get like you get something off off the ground, and you've got a little you've got revenue coming in, and now you're in a, this other conversation where it has to switch. You have to get a little more mindful about stuff. Like you might you might have like you might just, I don't know you might find yourself like purchasing wool socks and like wa- wanting some tea in your life or something as you as you kind of go like what's it all about really though. Like, like you're describing just, my life right now. Stop <laughs> it. Just about more, 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 really, right? And you might find yourself watching some documentaries, trying some mindfulness meditation apps or something. But I go, I don't know. I'm setting this up for for Paul. There's people out there right now who are in I who are in one of those camps. I really do like the way you've you've segmented out between pre enough and post enough. There's people out there who are post enough. I'm kind of one of them. I, this conversation is kind of convicting for me because there's a lot of ways that I'm just up my own backside trying to create more stress in my life because if I relax too much, like something bad's going to happen and I won't be prepared. 
is I think what the, what the fear is, right? Mm-hmm. So some people need, are, they're like post enough and they need to rejigger. They need to renegotiate the relationship with work. And some people are pre enough and, and there's all sorts of who, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, it just seems like such a, uh, you know, you're just trying everything at that point. <laughs> you know, what I mean? pre enough, you're just like, let's just let's, and that's really kind of what I've taught for years. It's like, listen, let's just try a bunch of stuff, see what sticks. Eventually we're going to find out where people are resonating with you. And then we're going to double down on that. Right. But to the people in these two camps, can you give us some like parting words of advice? Yeah, I, I, I well, I can try. <laughs> um, I, I definitely think that if we, if we start um, hustling and I don't think that's necessarily bad, but if we start where things only work, if we push ourselves too hard we're setting ourselves up for bad habits. Like if we do the like Elon Musk, 80 hours a week, sleep on the couch in our office, then that's the habit we're building for our routine with work. So that's, that can be dangerous Mm. when we, when we set it up. So we have to be all in full bore hustle, hustle, hustle all the time. Um, So I think that that can be scary and dangerous. And I think the other thing to consider, and I guess the, the parting words I have is that every business is a lifestyle business. If you work for a company, if you work for a corporation, your your butt has to be in a chair nine to five, Monday to Friday. Like if you work for a high growth um, venture backed startup, you have to show immense growth all the time and your life will be impacted. So I think every like every business gives you a, a gives you a, a specific lifestyle that goes along with it. And I think when you're entrepreneur when you're an entrepreneur and why I am an entrepreneur and why I think a lot of people are is because they want to be able to set their lives up so that they have something more in it, mm. right? So they have maybe the ability to like take a Tuesday afternoon off to like hang out with their kids at the park or to like go to Bali and and stay in one of those like huts on the water with like a glass floor and you see the beautiful fish swim mm. by. Like I think if we work for ourselves, we get to set up what our lifestyle is. And so for every opportunity that comes our way, there's an, a, an associated like maintenance cost or obligation debt that goes with it. But a lot of the times we're so just enamored with like Ooh, opportunities. Yes, yes, yes. Hooray, mm. Kind of thing that like we, we don't, we don't think about like, well, what's the, what's going to be the impact of my daily life. If I take this on, if I grow, if I hire these people, if I get an office, if I, if I sell a hundred products versus two products. So I think that every, every, every kind of business decision we have should be filtered through the lens of what our purpose is and should be filtered through the lens of how this affects my daily life and how this affects like the lifestyle that I want to have at the end of the day. I, I love this. this. I think I talked myself good. out on that point. No, no that, that, was, that was good. That was awesome. Okay, now the, the the closing thing you said there was was every decision that we make should be filtered through our through our purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And in your book, do you help people figure out how to get something toward some grasp on what their purpose is? For, for sure, every chapter ends with a bunch of questions. This- I, my publisher was like every every chapter should end with directives and i was yeah. thinking about it i'm like 
that's not really me. Like, I don't yeah. know what people should do. So every <laughs> chapter instead ends with questions to ask yourself to to align your business decisions better with the purpose that you have for, for running the business in the first place. Well, I yeah. love it. Okay, and people can get the book on the Amazons and the what, Barnes and Noble and all it's the in places? Books. It's traditionally published, so, so it has distribution. So it's in bookstores. It's on Audible. I narrate it if you're listening in North America. It's on uh, digital and it's paperback and hardcover. Basically, however you consume books, the book is available in some way. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> All right, Paul, man. Thank you so much for joining us and being on, man. Yeah, cheers, Jens. This was a whole lot of fun. All right. So, you guys, you're going to get links and show notes and all those things at fizzleshow.co slash 303. All right? That's fizzleshow.co slash 303. You'll have links to Paul's book there, his websites, all the things that you need from this conversation. Uh, on behalf of Aiden and myself and Corbett, who wasn't able to be with us today, and Steph and all the other people on the Fizzle team and all the Fizzlers inside the Fizzle universe, the multiverse of Fizzle, uh, we want to say thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks for paying the attention that you are paying us with. We love being in your ear holes. I just think it's a really comfortable place to be. Thanks for nestling me in right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> we just way down, just in your ear holes, just whispering, whispering into the subconscious. Hey, things are going to work out. Maybe not with this business idea, <laughs> but in your relationship with your dad, things can get better there. <laughs> I don't know why that's where I go, but that's what I'm working on right now. All right, y'all find care, take care, serve hard and dig in. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. Bye-bye.